And welcome to the 25th episode of the National Institute for Gamer Review. I am DK. I'm Lewis, and the Tiberium must flow. <laughs> Indeed it must. And uh, today we are joined by a very special guest, my uh, good friend and Third Rail co-host, Dark Enlightenment. Uh, I want to say hi. Hello, everyone. And I, I just want to say what an honor and uh, privilege it is to have you on um, today to discuss uh, one of the most... Foundational. I mean, to the. I mean, I, you know, we, we talk a lot about um, video games as a kind of cultural industry, and um, the more I sort of sit with it and think about it, it's it's um, it, it's it's a it's a it's an industry and a, and a kind of cultural form that is mature in a lot of ways, um, in the sense that you have certain kind of um, uh, well-worn paths there are there are certain kind of tropes and expectations things that are built in when you when you buy or decide to play a video game that you kind of know what you're what you're going to get to some extent typically um that wasn't always the case uh and you know much like i was thinking about this in relation to uh, like detective novels you know edgar Allan poe kind of famously you know uh invented the detective novel you had novels but you didn't really have detective novels or that whole like genre until you had and then yes and then chesterton came up with right. uh, you know the 12 rules or whatever as 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 mature form and then you know that's basically exactly exactly yeah and and now we have i mean it's a whole kind of like you could there are you know people who make their living doing literally nothing but writing genre fiction detective novels just you know a couple books a year churning them out and you know it's sell enough copies to to pay their bills and um so i think in a similar way um uh command and conquer was not the first Real-time strategy game. Uh, we, you know, we went. We had a, an episode. I think it's one of our best on um, Dune. Dune Two, kind of exploring some of the origins of what is typically regarded. There's, there's one kind of earlier title that you could sort of point to, but particularly on PC as a platform, and 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 in particularly the idea of like rather than having the player character represented as some kind of avatar, you know, as some kind of commander unit, um, which you also saw ex executed in Total Annihilation. We'll probably have to do an episode on it at some point on that as well, maybe. But um, but rather than that, then looking at it as a as a whole, looking at like look at the battlefield, rather than having you represented as a player character and you know running around as some, with some kind of avatar, um, and, and in that way, kind of almost being in some ways more of an action game, um, kind of purely abstraction based. This idea of like you are the commander of this battlefield force, um, Dune Two really set the mold. Uh, the thing about Dune Two, I mean, we you know we talked about it a lot. Again, you can check out that episode if you if you want. But um, for the purposes of this discussion, it, it, first of all, um, it's noteworthy that basically there's only one map. There's basically no variation on the map. <laughs> uh, it's it's randomly generated a little bit, but but base I believe so. Um, but basically, it's all sand. And indeed, one of the um, 
the the team for the it was the same studio which is westwood which became essentially synonymous with you know real-time strategy games and so on before being absorbed into the ea hive mind and then shuttered uh as so <laughs> that's another industry story over well, and over again westwood yeah. is an innovator you know and they really innovated being shut down by ea <laughs> yeah they, yeah they innovated being taken over and gutted and destroyed by ea yes um but uh yeah so so it was the same studio and and mostly the same team as as made dune 2 and um they just got tired of sand tiles like pretty much you know the only thing on the map in um in uh in Dune 2 is sand. You have a, like a little bit of kind of mountain range. You have a little bit of like some spice blooms. Uh, and that's about it. Um, other than the tiles you lay down for your base. Um, but it's, it's basically monochromatic, you know, this kind of desert orange, yellow sand color, uh, palette. And, and they wanted to branch out and they wanted to try something else. Um, and uh, there's another series that we definitely, definitely want to, we will, we not want to, we will 100% certainty be talking about Warcraft. Technically, Warcraft 1 came out, it came out in 1994. Command and Conquer came out in 1995. So Warcraft did kind of beat Command and Conquer to the punch. Um, but, or I mean, at the very least, you could say these are kind of in tandem. And, and I think as someone who was there at the time playing these games and sort of very much involved in this cultural movement, um, yeah, you, you know, there, it was, uh, and I was actually at the time more of a, of a Warcraft fan, especially Warcraft two, but, um, these are kind of the two series and, and, and products that, that really define the medium or the genre, you could say of real time. strategy. Yeah. And in fact, I had an interesting experience. So, um, I, I really like a uh, total war and, uh, I've been playing the heck out of a uh, total war Warhammer just because if you're not, I mean, like. You know, chaos demons, space fascism, like what you know. Uh, I, uh, I I I like that IP quite a bit, and it's a good game. And so there's uh, indefinite numbers of playthroughs, and that's something you see that going back to the to the to the very first games of like I went back to uh, Red Alert, which I hadn't played in probably twenty years, um, or more or longer, and I'd never played. Um, uh, the original Command and Conquer. And so yeah, I me too. I, that was exactly it. my situation. I played a fair amount of Red Alert. hadn't ever actually played Command and Conquer one, uh, and I yeah. and I just went back because they had this fancy and, remastered edition. Yes, and uh, it was an interesting experience because the controls were off for me for a while. I was used to things being a little bit more sophisticated, but you could see everything else from coming from that you could see the age of empires save stuff you know all you, you know you could really begin to see that this is oh you have different types of units that are different you know all of the different um parts of the rts that make it enjoyable that you know you're you're you know kind of playing uh rock, paper, scissors of like, oh man, he's got a bunch of cavalry. I need to pull in some, you know, uh, pikemen or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and, right, and my, yeah. my missile troops would just absolutely get slaughtered. So I need to have this balance here and I need to counteract that. And all of that stuff, you can see it in a command and conquer. And, um, I just think it's a, a, a really 
well put together, really fun um, game, and and there's some design challenges even. So the you know the original uh, series didn't didn't really have much of a naval element as such. Uh, there you know there was like like gunboats that would be in the game, but you couldn't really do anything about you know like very very limited. They weren't that useful. Well, they weren't that useful, and they and they couldn't. You could see this, uh, you know, by by command and conquer red alert. There's you know a fully operational naval element. There's this whole. There's all these design challenges, um, resource balancing. You know, all all of this stuff that you could just see, uh, in the game. Uh, in in maybe not fully mature forms. They're not as sophisticated, but uh, it's still way more fun than something, you know, than, than a lot of stuff being put out by AAA studios now. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe I should talk a little on that note. I, I had I, Basically, I, I share your assessment and, and, and maybe to, to flesh it out a little bit. Um, I do think, I mean, so we, we, I guess maybe to, to be clear, this episode, we're going to be talking about Command and Conquer 1 and Red Alert 1. Uh, may or may not devote an episode to the sequels at some point. I think the Red Alert series is more interesting in various ways for reasons in part that we'll talk to. It's also just kind of, you know, well, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, definitely true. Like, uh, and I saw, I kind of hate PC gamer or have a love hate relationship with them. I don't, I don't actually love them. I just, they're the you know they're my source for because there's, there's, it's impossible to get non-paused gaming news i'm not going to go to, to kotaku uh, you know and and ign is is just i don't know so so i end up on pc gamer a fair amount and um there was an article that uh i actually found quite i, I agreed with the sentiment and it was um Basically noting how this this person I don't know that they had played ever or maybe they they um, had played a little bit but you know uh, either way um, we're like curious you know expecting the experience of, of playing the remastered edition which it should be noted there there's very very few quality of life improvements it's pretty much the exact same experience as it was in 1995 uh, 1996 and it's um it's incredible how for all of the kind of um, technological insufficiencies or things that you know uh, uh just the, the as a kind of um how to say um you know obviously computers were very different then and, and they were trying they, they they were constrained in a lot of ways and and there are definitely some things about it that are very clunky especially i would say with command and conquer one less so um red alert or less than red alert in any case um just what a what a visceral fun experience it is um, I've come to think more and more about video games as a kind of um, an instrument that produces an experience. Like, you know, a, a musical instrument produces a sound. A video game is an instrument that produces an experience. Um, and uh, the experience that playing Command & Conquer gives you in Command & Conquer 1 and Red Alert 1 is very... It's just very fun, and it, and it's fun. It 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 doesn't let up. On it's it's you know very kind of fast paced, but not in a way that overwhelms you. I mean, you can't if you set the slider all the way to the fastest setting, then I would definitely be overwhelmed. But on the normal setting, even on like the kind of one tick to the right, you know, faster setting, um, it's quite 
action packed quite fast but 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 um it just all it just at a design level it really keeps you engaged and in and, and it's um very notable in that respect however and i will i, I will say yeah the um uh i i think command and conquer one uh had it was how to say um i, I think there's a lot I, there's a lot that's interesting about it from a from a cultural um perspective and I, we should we should definitely get into i think the, the the factions and sort of what's going on with all that but um at a gameplay it's almost point yeah it, 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 there's there's multiple levels to talk about this on there's the there's the metapolitical like design level of like you know the whole terrorism as a you know a big threat thing like uh, you know, in nineteen early nineteen nineties and mid nineteen nineties, right? There was there was you know, neoliberalism destroyed the world like a colossus. Yeah, it needed, right, a, needed, right. a, needed an enemy to slay and look look at that. There's terrorism. Um, that's an interesting discussion. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's where I was. Uh, going. Red, red alerts like go, yeah. what what happens when when central bad guy uh, is out of the picture uh, of world what if history. You go and kill talks. baby Hitler. It's not baby Hitler, but yeah, and and like oh wow, look at that. The the Soviets are take over everything. <laughs> it's like so yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, should, we um, should go. We'll obviously talk about that in a second too. But yeah, sorry. Go on. And so and then uh, um, to sidetrack just for a second, I'd be interested in Lewis's take. I think I sent you something from Steve Saylor about how games were the black hole of art, and I just want to talk about this for a second. So. Um, artists are often wiser than they know on accident. And um, I think one of the most interesting cultural little moments of the last decade or so was the end credits of Wally takes like history through art, you know, and then the Renaissance goes into impressionism and then it does nothing. And then I think like eight bit Mario stuff comes out. And I think uh, you know, I'm old enough that like Atari and 8-bit stuff is basically impressionism, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, at a certain level. And 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 as it's gotten more sophisticated, it's even you know it's like attaining heights of hyper reality that even the the, the greatest uh, you know Renaissance painters who were you know literally had stuff that looked like it was floating, and you know like that's the uh, you know super detailed kind of stuff like we're um you know video games have taken this path of kind of reversing the artistic trends of uh in, in you know from high art to impressionism to you know and then back again i think that's just something interesting and then you know uh the music is something else that I think that we need to talk about. It just yes, a, definitely. Uh, which rocks, and you can get the soundtrack at a number of places. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I want to definitely. We should talk at least a little in, in some more specificity um, about about the music. But 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 first to just sort of round out the point I was I was making. I I think it's no notable that um, that uh, how to say. Well, here, here are my notes. I'll just read my notes, I guess, which is, which is, um, uh, so the, on, on the note of difficulty, which I, you know, I think we've talked about before in this pr program, probably several times in it, quite a bit of length. I'm a fan of difficulty. I think difficulty just is inherent to the experience of playing a video game or it should be. And, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with the game being difficult and typically, you know, the more difficulty 
of a certain sort. Well, the, the, the thing is, there's kind of good difficulty and bad difficulty. And I find oh, I found um, all too often the Command and Conquer one again, less so Red Alert was, uh, as I put it, not exactly hard, but frustrating and random with extremely shitty AI. Um, for example, there's a there's a tank, a mammoth tank uh, guarding a bridge in one of the missions. Maybe you remember this DE, where basically like you're, you're um, so the mammoth tank is basically the biggest, most HP, you know, hardest hitting guns in the game, um, and you are given a very small detachment of, um, you're it's, you're playing as Nod, and you're a very small detachment of forces. Uh, you're not able to set up your your builder uh, until you clear the bridge of this unit and you uh you 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 basically as soon as setting up your builder and very quickly either way you're going to be attacked by additional units so gameplay wise design wise in this mission you must defeat the mammoth tank while taking an absolute minimum of casualties the thing is because of the way the a the pathing works and the ai works and the whole kind of thing is programmed if you just like there's no tact. I would say there's very little in the way of tactics in the game. It's it's kind of just you know you build a bunch of units and you kind of toss them and and they do a bunch of damage and that's that. It's not like they're you know like company heroes or anything or even total war. Um, but uh, if you just do that <laughs> with that tank, the tank is going to pick off your units one by one and basically destroy your army and you can't complete the level. Which means you need to like essentially bait the tank, you know, aggro draw aggro to get it. To like attack one of your more you know heavy firepower units like and 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 concentrate fire on it and then kind of do the same thing kind of hit and run over and over again and if it ever actually ends up hitting too much you know uh, inflicting too much damage on you you got to reload your save and so it's just a pro it's it's basically the the game design the level design is forcing you to stay to save scum in order to proceed and that's just terrible design uh, you, you know save scumming is not a is not a mechanic or at least it shouldn't be um, well. <sighs> I, I I agree with your criticism, and actually, the the biggest from a design gameplay point of view, uh, the biggest problem with with the original is like you're literally just loading an APC full of engineers, getting to the middle of their base. <laughs> yes, well, and they toned that down for 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 Red Alert, um, notably. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, it was just it was it's so ridiculously. <laughs> ridiculously easy to just like take well if you just take right. everything yeah well on and 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 there are, i mean so uh i was looking into this because I, there was one mission in particular where um um i was like i had an early what seemed like an overwhelming advantage and i was um just wanted to build a bunch of the kind of assault gunships the the uh, not that the the air there's a kind of VTOL aircraft thing that you can build yes yeah and I always, right, always yep. like the air units helicopter yeah um it wasn't the helicopter it was a, it was a anyway it doesn't doesn't matter but um so uh I was just like I'll just build this a bunch of these and just destroy them and and I end up losing over the course of like an hour of one of the most frustrating experiences of my life because it turns out like even though I was targeting their resource collection and blowing up all their shit the um I don't. I, I, the AI was designed to get certain. The enemy AI was designed to get certain like benefits, but because of some kind of coding error or bug or something, it it ends up getting um, just like like thousands of percent more income than it's supposed to. Uh, the AI cheats really blatantly and obnoxiously. Buildings are rebuilt without any resources or income. Units appear from off map, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
and uh yeah it's it's uh i don't know it, it yes it's it's sort of it's just a very imbalanced very unpolished um experience i i, I wonder cuz i as i said i didn't really play so much um command and conquer uh one at the time uh, I, I, I wonder, I don't know, it's, it's just something I, I don't know how, how it came off at the time. I mean, I know it was revolutionary in a number of ways, and certainly the music direction and, and art direction is, is phenomenal, and, and there's a lot that's great about it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I think it's a bad game. I think it's a good game, and I think, you know, particularly if you're interested in, in video game history, it's, it's definitely worth picking up the remastered um, edition on, on sale or something. But um, yeah, it, it, it was definitely notable that that like and also in terms of level design, the, like the engineer thing reminded me there was a, there was a level early on where you you have I guess to sell one of your structures. Um, oh, like th- that that level <laughs> kicked my ass like three or four times before I had to to restart. Well, yeah. again, it's the, the level design. Basically, every des- I, I was I was having trouble with it, and and I looked online, and they said, yeah, if you don't get exactly what you need in terms of like an engineer from the structure and this and that from selling, because it's apparently at least partially random, just reload. <laughs> it's like, so like again, the, the design is is forcing you to save scum, and and you saw that. That's like I think the worst, the single worst example. Um, where if the roll of the dice doesn't come up exactly the way that it needs to, then you the the you know the the thing is it's just just you might as well just reload, but um, it's it's that there's there's basically no tolerance for error where and even error itself in that in this um, in the context of the level design means like not doing things in the one and only specific way that will allow you to beat the mission. Like it's not that you're making a tactical or even a strategic mistake. It's like if you don't go. To the do things in the exact order in the exact time that you need to i guess in the designer's mind like you're gonna lose even if your your approach is is sound from a from a mechanical or strategic perspective and even then right. even if you even if you like do all the right things in all the right order and all the right time you still need cooperation from just a very random and finicky ai which is really frustrating because it feels like you're losing not because of ineffective management you're losing because it's a um it's like a puzzle right. with like one to give solution. You, to give to give an example, there's one particular mission. This might be the same one where you have to take over uh, an enemy base, and there's the you know the resource gathering building, right? And if you don't grab the resource gathering building while the uh, vehicle that gathers Tiberium is in you know is dumping oh god yes then you don't the, yes then they get to keep the, then you don't get the vehicle and they get to keep their vehicle which means they could continue harvesting resources which means you're fucked right and you don't have enough to to build one so it's like oh and i like again like three or four times so i mean these are these are kind of maybe not necessarily picky problems but like overall uh with the space of time and everything like looking back it's an amazing achievement considering you know the hardware limitations that Definitely. they had at the time you know i mean was it even you know windows 95 wasn't even a thing yet right <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah i mean we're well we're and even, even to the extent it was it was like you were still playing it on dos like that oh that was another thing i i really appreciate it was just it was a small touch but something i i really got quite a kick out of was um in the installation for the uh the remastered edition they they have like this opening setup thing which like real ogs will remember having to like go and manually select your irq channel on your sound card to make sure it didn't conflict with anything else in your 
this is from the era before integrated anything and uh <laughs> and it goes through it's like you know select your irq channel and then it's like wait a second and it like scanning scanning oh yeah I irq is obsolete and like the a you know the 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 voice on the ai will tell you irq obsolete you know we actually have hd you know, sound built right into your motherboard, like you're good to go. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. These are people who know. Um, I, I I found that it, it was a nice, it was a very nice little touch. But but yeah, these these are things you had to deal with. You know, launching into DOS from Windows 95 or 3.1 at the time, it's it was a pain in the ass. Absolutely, and I, I think that um, uh, one of the things that you know. Um, to you know, kind of steals. Life comes at you fast, right? Uh, we we've found that out politically speaking here in the last uh, little while. But uh, the the it's not like chess where like oh you get to go and then I get to go and then you get to go and then I get to go. Like no, if you're actually ever sparring with someone, like like you can. You can slip a jab and throw your own punch at the same time, you know, and uh, how amazingly sophisticated for the time, especially of of like it's a both and like like both these things can be happening. You can be completely losing on one side of the battlefield and completely winning on the other. Well, this is where the meme, as I recall, I think it was Red Alert not. Command and Conquer, but it was to say, you know, where where are you? Where are you? I'm in your base, killing your dudes. Maybe that was StarCraft, but it was one of it was this, that's yeah. the kind of dynamic. It's like I'll have my armies sent out. I'm looking for you. Where are you? He's like, oh, I'm in your base, killing your dudes. Yep, yep, that totally could happen. Like, and and in fact, you know, finding the other guy's base was a huge part of the uh, base design you know, in general. It, it, we could get into that maybe a, a little later, but yes. Well, it, well. It, 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 it's the central, you know, it, the first thing you do, right, is build up an army and then find the other guy's base. Yes. Um, so it's it's an interesting. Well, I, I to me the the thing is like I I actually I want to to me is like as I said I I've said this a million times I'll say it again I I think difficulty is great I like difficult I like a challenge I like a fair challenge Command and Conquer One does not feel like a fair challenge. Uh, at all, which is why I would just recommend playing on easy. Like you get the same experience without basically any of the frustration. And right, and, you know, no, get the, uh, and, and I I tried playing on hard, and it was like, oh my god, this is. I impossible. played a li no hard is just ridiculous. I I played mostly on normal except for a certain point where it, uh, red alert. I pretty much played all on normal. Um, it was it was much better designed in that perspective. Uh, Command and Conquer was was not, and and I just had to do it on easy. Yeah, and right because I hadn't played it before, but. Can we talk about the politics behind Command and Conquer One just of for course. a second? Um, and Louis, please chime in. So, in 1994, when this thing was being built, right? Um, you know, the 92 Olympics, there was the the Soviet, you know, former Soviet unified team, and by 1994's Winter Olympics, they were all their own separate. Uh, uh, entities, you know, Kazakhstan had its own Olympic team and all that stuff. So this global struggle that had defined like the last 50 years, just gone, right? And 
uh, you know, the good guys. <laughs> Looking back now, on, <laughs> but at the time it's like, oh, hey, cool, the good guys won. Um, <laughs> but um, there was nothing like what you know that China was still this poor, backward, you know, pseudo Marxist state where. Uh, Chairman Deng was like desperately trying to keep people like, you know, still had 20 million people, 30 million people, something ridiculous living in caves. Uh, so whence was the, you know, the challenge um, going to come from? And, uh, and of course the, you know, the mysterious Kane, the bald white guy with the, um, you know, terrorism was going to be the thing that, uh, that, you know, was, was the challenge to the global world order. And I, I, I just think it's, it's fascinating that like, uh, you know, I think Al Qaeda existed back then, but, but, you know, having major terrorist attacks, I don't, you know, I don't think the coal bombing had happened yet. Um, the embassy bombings hadn't happened yet. Well, obviously, nine eleven never hadn't happened. I I, I note, made a note of that too, as well. That I I you know, in some ways, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It it was, it, it it's fascinating that um, terrorism is the bad guy in nineteen ninety six. It strikes me as a little bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know if prescience is the word. Like my schizo brain is like. It feel it feels like predictive programming. Predictive program. I mean, yeah, it does. Full, it does not to go it full Alex so... Jones, but it feels like predictive programming. Absolutely, uh, and <laughs> and I think that uh, an important uh, aspect of this is that there, uh, you know, what does Cain want? Well, to rule the world or something. You know, like. It's actually not um, entirely. He wants, but like a new era of peace and brotherhood, or something. I mean, supposedly, yeah, under him. But not. that's. It's interesting that it's it's very it's there's a kind of um, like uh, like Nod, which is the faction that you know, like okay, they're sort of presented as, you could say the quote unquote bad guys, but like I mean, okay, so the the the, the extent of their being the quote unquote bad guys is like in the first mission, you basically have to wipe out a village, and you're like slaughter everyone in it. Um, so, you know, war crimes, I guess, uh, but like, it, it's especially easy from the vantage point of today to see like, you know, first of all, global homo wipes out villages all the time. It just does it with, with, you know, opiates Drowned. and, and porn and deindustrialization. Uh, right. second, like they're. Unitary vision for humanity is no less totalitarian, arguably more so. You know, they, they they do all kinds of shit in the name of like peace and and brotherhood, right? They or maybe don't use that exact rhetoric, but quite quite close to it. Um, oh, how many how many millions of children have been slaughtered in the womb in the name of freedom? Ex exactly, ex and that's the and that's the dichotomy that the kind of the opening cinematic is really brilliant. In, in terms of setting up the um, well I guess it's complex in a number of ways but yes it sets up the dichotomy that it sets up is is like terrorism or quasi the, 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 the cinematic the voice of the cinematic thing calls them quote unquote quasi terrorist 
Um, they're, they're, they're just terrorists. But the thing is that, that like from the, from their perspective, it's like, that's a good thing. It's like, these are good. These are like the, it's the terrorist freedom fighter dichotomy again in 1996. I mean, this is half a decade before 9-11. This is some real deep Baudrillard posting, I think. It really is. That's what I'm saying. Is- <laughs> yeah. It, it, again, artists are wiser than they know. And they picked up on this. Um, they're seen, they're presented as two sides of the same coin, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's, it, it's like, yeah, not, yeah. not in GDI. Yes. You're sort of supposed to understand thematically, at least that Nod is like the quote unquote bad guys. If for no other reason than they're fighting against global homo neoliberalism, but like the, the design, whether or not it's intentional or to whatever extent it may have been intentional, artistically it's forcing you to look at it and, and and mechanically as well i mean that's the thing is like so the the opening cinematic is a series of essentially competing broadcasts it's like propaganda broadcasts from nod and propaganda broadcasts from gdi and they're sort of fighting for control of the same spectrum is is the kind of impression you're left with and then you the player character your avatar your yourself as like the you know both the player of the game but the game presented as a kind of quote unquote real thing is like okay which broadcast are you going to listen to which side are you going to choose? And and it's not it's less a it's less a good guy versus bad guy thing ultimately than two sides of the same coin, two factions competing for very similar very similar not identical but very similar totalitarian visions for the future of humanity, um just who's going to who's going to be in control, which is very right. subversive. Right. Well, and in fact, um the uh uh, the thing that enables the terrorism is the terrorist's ability to use this Tavarian, this free energy, right? That, that also has these massively negative side effects. And uh, yeah, I, and I heard, <laughs> I, but people were telling me like later on, Nod goes full transhumanist, and it's kind of you know more Jewish and stuff. That's probably true. I I can't. I I, I, I can I it's. I, I'd have to replay Tiberium Sun. Well, the thing and, is, the it. thing is, I, I think you have to evaluate these works independently. Like maybe you could take a look ultimately at the series as a whole, and there are some kind of inklings of that. But like, I mean, think of it this way: like the, I mean, I, I would almost go in a kind of like ecotard direction with this to a certain extent. Like if I want to be really have a you know galaxy brain take, like it, it's pretty explicit in the um, like. So we get so in in terms of the game's fiction again, leaving aside the sequels because I would just consider them completely separately. The, so so taking the first game on its own terms, like you get this alien energy source or alien in the in the kind of I, I believe it ultimately is extraterrestrial, but the, that's the subject of some dispute. In the first game, it's not entirely clear from the game's fiction. Right, alien in the sense of like nothing like nothing we've ever seen before, and it has massive amounts of energy, obviously enormous potential. Um. So Nod is basically, the, these are the guys who say, like, we want to harness this. And GDI are the guys who are saying, no, we can't do that. Like, l- let's make sure we keep pumping that oil from Saudi Arabia. Like, you know, there's a kind of easy critique of like, oh, yeah, you just want, to, you just want the petrodollar. Like, that's literally all you're, you care about. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to a large extent, I mean, you know, the central fact of world politics today is the is the petrodollar, the central bank, and and you know like the Iron Triangle of the United States, Saudi Arabia, and Israel. Um, so, in an interesting way, right? Like you know the uh, you know the challenges to the system have been uh, you know not that Al Qaeda was actually you know, a challenge to the system. It's, it's, <laughs> like oh, <laughs> hello CIA. Um, but uh, it's interesting that. You know, like control of this energy resource is a lever you can use against the system, right? And uh, 
they again acknowledge that like okay so there's there's literally no you know absent Tiberium right it would be impossible for nod to yeah they say explicitly that's essentially their funding source it's like that's how they make the money to fund their operations um right right and 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 absent you know i mean like what's the charlottesville case about except denying resources to people who are challenging the system right absent the internet there would be nothing to challenge the system at the moment right like you know uh you know, we're in an info war and, and like an absent the information, uh, you know, it, it, it's not for nothing, but, uh, you know, this show is able to present an alternative view of games and game culture, uh, you know, uh, and ethics and gaming journalism really did change the world. Absolutely. Um, I, I just wanted and, to play video games. I would not be. <laughs> no, I, I, and, <laughs> you know I mean? and I completely understand. Like I, I, I was a little bit uh, late to the party on that, but like, um, cause I was, I, was, I, w- I wasn't really a, a big gamer at the time. I'd gotten more into it as something I can do uh, with family members. But, um, the idea that, uh, you know, that there's the alternative to the system and that you need a lever. And I, I guess I guess I'm just maybe it's just because this is how my brain works and I'm weird and I'm constantly thinking about how ways to you know subvert and undermine and destroy this evil system we live under. But but uh, you know there's even in the game there's this understanding of like you you have these alternatives and these res- and and these uh, alternative ways of going about things. You know, you need a, you know, if you're going to challenge, you know, the gay race domination initiative, uh, then you, you need an, you need something, <laughs> you need some form of power to do that. And I, I, I think that the, you know, this whole like, oh, well, they're just terrorists and they just, they're just nihilist terrorists. Like, no, no, they actually I want something. And not that uh, I think that Al Qaeda itself was. It's, it's noteworthy that the kind of like the capstone of the Nod campaign, actually on both sides, like the 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 big kind of set piece at the end of the game uh, is as the Brotherhood, you have to build the Temple of Nod. As the GDI, you have to destroy it. There's no religious. I mean, it's got it's sort of like it's sort of like well, what is a temple? I mean, it's, it's just, there's nothing explicit about what their beliefs are or anything like that. But it really, it really, really sticks out that, like, again, you have this kind of vision of global homo neoliberalism versus ideological religious fanatics. Uh, we were talking a little bit about fanaticism in our in our discussion of the um, the recent the Dune movie remake thing that came out. Um, it, it again, it, it it strikes me as just prescient and interesting and yeah, also- yeah. Well, and and actually, you know, uh, and I really enjoyed that discussion. Actually, it was really good. Um, you know, uh, but you know, fanatics are the only ones that are going to do anything. Um, everyone else is comfortable. Everyone else is like happy. You have to be a fanatic to be unhappy with the current system. I mean, like there's there's essentially free porn and cheeseburgers. <laughs> you know, 
what's what's the, what's the actual cost? Well, you can't blame people for that, right? I mean, that's the thing is like you you, uh, oh, like, you who are you going to blame? Like like Mike always says, and I just think it's such a smart point, and and it really changed my. It, it clarified something for me, crystallized something for me, and and so I say it, you know, and I think I, I urge people who haven't fully understood this to really maybe spend some time thinking about it. Like you can if if a bunch of people all do the same thing that's that we don't like that's bad or whatever, like. If that's it's, a widespread societal phenomenon, you, that's not the, you don't want to absolve any one individual person of responsibility, but you have to look at like, okay, well, why is that happening? What are the structural factors that are creating the conditions such that this keeps happening over like, you know, millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people? Because because you, you can't just blame 100 million people individually for all making the same decision, right? Um, no, and there are societal conditions. And in fact, that's the, that's, that's the fatal, you know, it's the chink in the armor of the of the right winger is is that they they never engage in a systematic critique. They can you know like Rod Dreher can hate the suburbs and oh gosh you know like we, it's ugly and look at my little tiny craftsman home that's really nice and it's it's pretty and aesthetic and like well Rod you know why the suburbs are ugly and you know why there was this systematic effort to like build this stuff. And it was built cheap because it was neat, you know, like all the systematic stuff that I've talked about for years. And I don't need to rehash here. I mean, if you're listening to this and think I'm interesting, <laughs> you've heard it before. Um, but the idea, right, that, you know, to get back to the game thing, um, that uh, tens of millions of young men uh, have engaged in pseudo struggle in front of their computers. And, you know, I'm not I'm a video gamer. I'm, you know, I played Age, Age of Empires and all kinds of other stuff. I'm, I'm not saying that. Um, uh, and uh, it's taught me some things and how to think strategically and what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, all that stuff. You know, a lot of, I've actually learned some things from video games. Uh, but to engage in a systematic critique of like, wait, wait, why, uh, why is this, you know, why are we presented only with, you know, evil terrorist, fanatic, bad, and, uh, right. You know, like, <laughs> what, what, like, what makes you bad is that you're motivated by ideology instead of capitalism. <laughs> like it, it's, yes. it, it, that, that's sort of what it comes down to, um, and and oh, I mean, yeah, okay. There's you know the terrorism bit, but like uh, again, you know how many? I mean, it, it, it's interesting because um, there's no um, so the 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 first Nod mission is, as I said, to basically wipe out a civilian village. Um, there's no similar mission on the GDI side, but there are lots of civilian structures. You can they will get damaged unintentionally. You can also intentionally damage them, and up until I think there's like on one. There's one expansion CD, um, one of the expansion missions that like, or, or a series of missions, there's like a, a series of like three or four missions in a row that kind of is like a mini campaign that will punish you. Or at least I think there's one of those, a briefing to the effect of like, make sure not to kill too many civilians. I don't even know if there's any consequence for that. There's definitely no consequence for civilian casualties, even intentional destruction of, you know, civilians and civilian structures, churches, houses, etc. Um, on the GDI side, 
on either side. I mean, you can, you, it's, it's, it's just notable, right? It's yeah. This, I hadn't really thought of this, but, but you're right. It, to, to draw a real quick parallel, your first mission as the Soviets is to kill a bunch of civilians. Yeah, that's clearly in a reference. Yeah, exactly. So, um, never, never mind that. Like, I mean, it's not like the Allies would firebomb a, a city that had no military value whatsoever, right? Yeah, just just because it was pretty, literally. <laughs> <laughs> just because, hey, this is really nice. <laughs> they can't have that. <laughs> right. So you know, I mean, uh, um. Maybe this is a good a good chance to seg you at least a little bit and for a little uh, into I don't know we, maybe a few last little things to talk about with with the first command and conquer but um, you want to start talking about red alert? Sure. Well, I think something worth talking about um, that ties both of these together is that it was I think you guys have mentioned this in the past is that this is one of those uh, that that liminal space where like like you just have actors. I think Tim Curry was in some of this stuff, right? Like, like um, some of the later Red Alert things or something, uh, where you just—it was cheaper to like, you know, dress up a bunch of actors and and actually like do real like plays, essentially. You mean like the full motion video? The full motion video, or whatever the cutscenes were, like actual people. You know, um, because it was a. a cheaper use of resources in space or whatever. I, I don't, I don't exactly know much about the technical side of things, but I, but you know, that, that's an interesting. And so now in my head, uh, you know, Joseph Stalin isn't Joseph Stalin. It's whoever the actor was that played Joseph Stalin in, in red alert. Right. Like when I think of Stalin, I think of. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it, it um, it's a very interesting and, and command and conquer red alert. I, I think, if you if you were to ask me like what's you like in your heart of hearts what's 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 your favorite game and i think it would have to be red alert like overall and, you mean like you're like number one of all like video game as a whole yeah probably like just, just That's respectable. like I, could, I could see that um not, not so much just like the thing that made me fall in love with games you know because i i I'm terrible at like the whole fast twitch, you know, uh, real time shooter stuff, and and I like the puzzle aspect, and um, uh, you know the, the 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 Mario stuff where you're like, okay, I've got one tiny pixel of toe on this thing, and then I can make the jump, and like I was always lousy at that sort of thing. So, um, but I I think it's just an incredibly well done game, and it's an in, even more from our perspective, and even more interesting premise because you know uh i think it's what einstein you know uses his chronosphere and gets rid of hitler right in uh the 19 yeah so we maybe uh, probably most people know this but just to kind of back up i guess for a, sec a second for for um for people who don't so the setup for red alert is it's it's a it's a certain kind of prequel i i believe there i don't know it's one of these things where it doesn't really I've, got the, I've got the, got it open Command and Conquer Red Alert takes place in a parallel universe at the Trinity site in New Mexico in 1946. Albert Einstein prepares to travel back in time. He activates his experimental time machine to find himself in Landsberg, Germany on December 20th, 1924, where he meets a young Adolf Hitler just as the letters is released from Landsberg prison. Following a brief conversation between Einstein shakes Hitler's hand, 
which erases him from the timeline. Hitler's death prevents the rise of the power of Nazi Germany, effectively creating a new timeline. Without the Germans, the Soviet Union grows powerful under the rule of Stalin. No lies the detected. Is, that, okay, sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. But like, the that right there kind of is land from so China, revealing. India, yeah. and invades Eastern Europe to achieve Joseph Stalin's vision of Soviet Union stretching from the entire Eurasian landmass. In response, the countries of Western Europe, including the already renamed, rearmed Germany, form the Allied nations and start a guerrilla war against the invading Soviet army. Over the course of the game's story, the Allies and Soviets fight for control over the European mainland in an alternative World War II. That's like, you know. So yeah, it's it's like a Cold War World War II. It's like what if the Cold War turned hot with like 1960s technology, maybe 1950s, 1960s, with like sci-fi. So if you a little bit of sci-fi crazy shit, um, in the absence of Hitler and the Third Reich, it's it's a very interesting setup, and and yeah, I think it's just important to note, like right off the bat, um, I I don't think basically it's an implicit validation of uh, Victor Suvorov's ice, icebreaker thesis. No, it's an explicit validation of of the icebreaker yes, thesis. Yes, absolutely. That you know that 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 Hitler the Barbarossa was fundamentally a defensive campaign that that Stalin intended to invade not just Germany but all of Europe, and that the Nazis were the only thing standing between between Western Europe and communism. And, Absolutely, and and uh, this game was the first time I was exposed to those ideas. You know, fifteen or whatever. Um, and now that I look back on it, and uh, um, the Myth guys have done a great job talking about this particular thesis, and uh, I think Fox Day has been blogging about it a little bit. But like the idea that Joseph Stalin was like content to just have Russia is absurd on its face. Like it doesn't even like isn't even worth mentioning. Like, well, no, he just wanted to peacefully, you know, dominate tens of millions of people in the Russian Empire. Uh, and, and starve, you know, uh, how many ended up, he personally was responsible for something, what, 40 million deaths? I mean, 50, you know. I mean, really, how, it depends on how you want to count, you know, at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, tens of millions of people are dead because of Joseph Stalin. And it, it had nothing to do with the with the war or anything. It was, you know, largely internal political matters. And uh, that where he, you know, d- did most of his killing. So it's it's interesting uh if only on accident because i don't think that that you know westwood studios was full of secret fascists <laughs> well they were full of people who i mean that's the other thing is and so uh there's a famous um advertisement which i have only the faintest recollection of um but i do recall it in in some gaming press at the time just very vaguely um where it's like can you? I forget. It was, it was like, can you match their high score? Uh, and and it, with a picture of Stalin and a picture of Hitler. And it's like a it it's a uh, it's incredible because it's like uh, how to say uh, it, there's no condemnation of Hitler. There's not a, there's not a reference to the Holocaust. It, it's clear they're talking about. Well, I don't know. It's I I, I would say at a minimum the question of the Holocaust is, is secondary. It's like, you know, the, the, Stalin killed a bunch of people. Hitler killed a bunch of people. This game will let you kill a bunch of people, you know, on the screen. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's like, but there's no finger wagging. There's no, um, you know, there's no like, uh, uh, how to say, it, it, there's nothing like you know that that, that Hitler is oh there was, a, there was right there was another one with the previous high scores and 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 with a bunch of these like Pol Pot is on there Chinggis Khan is on there um, 
maybe Pol Pot isn't on there. Idi Amin is on there. Saddam Hussein is on there. Uh, so like, you know, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, there was, this was a time and we've talked a little bit about this before and, and I'm sure you, you, I think you're a little older than, than, than me. So you probably remember it even more, you know, like the mid early to mid nineties, um, even into the late nineties. I mean, there were all kinds of like, you had, I don't even know if there were our guys. I don't know. I presume some of them at least are our guys now. Probably a lot of them aren't. You just had people who were like really into military history, people who were really into the into the Third Reich and stuff. They just like, they just were into it's it. I don't know. It's, it's just, just a thing the that they were interested in. Yeah. It, it's. I mean, you know, we joke about fans of the era, but that's a real thing. Well, okay. So, hold, um, it, if it's 1996, okay. Uh, 1945 was, you know, 50 years ago, which is essentially the same distance between now and 1970, right? So it's not, it's not like impossibly far back in time, right? You you know, you were born, uh, you know, boomers were 40 in the mid nineties, right? So stuff when you were a kid, right? Um, it's undeniably aesthetic, right? Um, and you're—I mean, I'm struggling to remember what you know. It's, it's been—it's been a minute, and I was a kid at the time. But like, you know, that mid '90s, like everything is um, shades of uh, some sort of uh, neon or something, and and. Uh, you know, graphic design like it, it, it's not get you know, like there's 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 no uh like absolutely compelling art being produced in you know 1997 by the United States. They're like, oh man, this is gonna last forever. Uh, <laughs> I, I I could totally see someone just being interested in the era because they're interested in the era. Um. The, but the interesting thing was the lack of to me yes and and there's but the, is the, it's the lack of finger wagging you know it's um I, I, and I just sent you a a, a pic uh, both of you um if you could you, I don't know if you open your um Telegram like the one there's several there were several uh, advertisements that's one of them there's one of of uh just the, you know uh, our uncle at one of the Nuremberg rallies and just like columns of people and there's the giant text at the top I'll put this in the video but um you know it's a great feeling I'm sure it is you know uh. Like it will also if you look at uh, interviews of Westwood, especially this time, like Westwood was the ethno state. Like it was all white guys between the age of twenty five and forty five. And I think, you know, you get away with a lot more when there's just like that demographic and no oversight, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Previous high scores. That's pretty freaking great, man. Yeah, like uh, it, it. It's you know, I, and I definitely, um, definitely, Lewis. Well, I, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think they were. I don't think these are our guys. Um, I mean, so maybe some well, maybe, of them. Maybe now they are. But maybe now they are. Who knows? But well, like, but, yeah, please. So, again, you know, there's a, a bunch of pseudo struggle going on, but like you know, globalist neoliberalism has carried the day. And there's no way for you to express power or to be masculine or anything, right? Like, <laughs> um, so, and and fundamentally, like, our society is unserious, right? Like, if, I'm just thinking about this now, like, if, 
if the, the, I've made this point before, but like the power differential between whites and Arabs, if the shoe was on the other foot and like the British Khalifa or equivalent was destroyed by a bunch of white terrorists uh, in 2001, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a white person left alive in the world, you know, 20 years later. Right. Um, they would have just wiped us all out. Uh, and, you know, we're supposed to be engaged in this civilizationally, you know, important struggle against terrorism. Like, like we could have completely just wiped the floor with every Muslim on the face of the planet in five years. If it was, if you were serious. Right. If it was a, yes, yes. And it wouldn't even it wouldn't have even been that difficult. <laughs> you just go in. Take I mean, it wouldn't have been that difficult with conventional weapons. Leave aside, you know, nuclear weapons or whatever. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but, but like fundamentally, fundamentally, you know, uh, Saddam Hussein, Genghis Khan, Uncle Gaddafi, Idi Amin, whatever, whatever you want to say about them, they're fundamentally serious people. <laughs> like, like Zukov is not fucking around, <laughs> right? Like. Joseph Stalin is not fucking around, you know. These people that you're, you know, like I would say JFK like fucked around, but not in that way. Even you know, like I mean, you had right, like, like serious people through. Uh, well, all the high score. That, oh, that the high score people. To. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Like, yes. like all of those are serious people. They are not. They are not. You know, fundamentally unserious clowns like like a uh, H.W. or like George W. Bush. Or Barack Obama, right? And so, or Donald Trump, or or know, Donald yeah. Trump, yeah, especially Donald Trump, actually, um, or Joe Biden. I mean, like it's just getting more and more clownish and unserious as time goes by, right? Like, like literal senile old man. Um, but no, like you're showing, you know, young men, because that's who this was totally aimed at. Like, you can also be a serious person, right? Because here's all these serious people, maybe seriously bad. But they're not. But they're serious people. But there's all. But I mean, bad in what sense? There's no finger. I mean, they're not finger. I mean, again, it's it's really notable. They put you know Hitler and Mussolini next to uh uh like Napoleon and Genghis Khan, like you know, which is where they belong. But but like, you good luck getting away with that today. So it's like uh, Napoleon, um, Hirohito, Hitler. Is it Ian Smith in the lower right hand corner? Looks, I don't, yeah. Who actually, I don't know who that. Who, who is Ian? Which who, uh, I'm blank. Who's Ian? Rhodesia. Yeah, today was his. Oh, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what he looks like. Yes. Um, I think that's him. Possibly. I, so, is that him? Right. Bottom, bottom right. right. No, it's not him. He's skinnier okay. than that. Okay, we got Mao. Well, we got Gaddafi. We got Saddam. We got Idi Amin. I think it's one of the Serbs. Oh, oh, you're probably right. Yeah. Oh, that was the other. So the yeah, I mean, because the 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 Balkan War is obviously kind of like part of the framework here, and and the uh, the GDI campaign and, the, and Command and Conquer ends in Sarajevo, which is like I thought was kind of actually very on the nose. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, but but there's there's no like condemnation. There's no like, it's it's. Well, yeah, right. Because because what is there to condemn, right? Like like we've won. You know, liberalism has won. There there are no serious contenders. These are all just people who kill lots of people. There's no ideological component to any of these things. They're just bad people who kill people or whatever. They're just conquerors. 
I would say it's more that they're conquerors. Yeah, it, I, I don't think it's just about. I mean, with the partial exception of you could say Pol Pot, you know, uh, maybe Idi Amin to some extent. But like, you know, Saddam Hussein was a was a conquering warlord. Uh, you know, Hitler, Stalin, Napoleon, Mussolini. Uh, you know, it, it's Genghis Khan, obviously. Um, Genghis Khan is responsible for killing, if I recall correctly, something like ten percent of the human population as a whole. Yeah, or yeah, indirectly caused time. by fear, starvation, or something else. Yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah, like, absolutely. as you, you know, the, some like uh, Stalin killed more people, and and you know, even if you believe the inflated uh, Holocaust so-called numbers, uh, you know, Hitler killed more people, but as a percent, like like the you know, you killed like well, yeah, did like, he really? 10%. Well, that's what, well, okay. Now you could get into sure we could we could do some revisionism on that as well. Um, I'm just saying, like, if you take the numbers as I understand them, you know, more or less face value, like, it's just an interesting kind of point that, that you know, vast swaths of the planet were essentially depopulated, which is not the case with, with uh, these other figures. Right. Absolutely not, no. Interesting. And uh, on, on the gameplay side of things, like, Red Alert is a, like I mentioned earlier, that the naval side became part of it and you know, it just, just much more really fleshed well out. Played. Yes. Well played, well playing game. You know, yeah. Well, the, I think the, the, the game of cat and, and mouse between the, because like the Soviets basically only have submarines. Um, the, the allies they're called have more, the other, the opposing faction have more different types of units, but, uh, and they have some, they, you know, some greater degree of firepower, but, um, they need destroyers to counter submarines. Other they're, otherwise, they're pretty much completely vulnerable. So there's this thing, and, and submarines are relatively cheap. Um, so it's a kind so of you, interesting. You literally create wolf packs and exactly. <laughs> it's it's a very yeah. kind of interesting and, and in some ways historically redolent. Um, and and you know and, and in a in a from a gameplay point of view, right? Like a um, the the Soviet army actually plays like the German army. You got these super huge tanks and. Um, you know the mammoth tanks, the uh, uh, very armor-heavy. Uh, you know, um, it, it's interesting. You know, like they 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 got again all these balancing issues to play in the game, and I think they did a really good job. And um, uh, resource extraction is interesting. You know, like mining. You know, mining trucks and you know protecting those, and uh, the the campaigns are are a lot of fun. Uh, the the one uh, at the time I thought it was kind of uh, like funny, and now I just think it's dumb. Um, is the like the female super soldier thing that the Allies campaign has? That's you mean just, Tanya? Yeah, it's just retarded. Like I mean, uh, I, yeah, so yeah, no, I mean, I get what you say. I don't know. I think it was like it's this kind of girl power '90s thing. It, it actually didn't offend me. I was mostly struck by like because I had vague memories of the Red Alert two full motion videos where Tanya is a fucking hottie, and the Tanya in Red Alert one is not. And I was like, oh no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> what happened there? But yeah, it, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I don't know. It was I didn't I didn't find it. It was interesting having played the because um, as a kid, like Tanya is kind of just OP. I mean, especially in the kind of uh, in the single player missions where where you're it's essentially a um, like a one man you know commando thing. And you're yes, it's you know it's just like you're a badass chick with the you know destroying buildings with a single click and this kind of thing. Uh, it's clearly like which I hadn't 
because I hadn't really played much of the the uh, original Command and Conquer. It, it's a play on the commando unit from there, where it's interestingly. I, I actually that was a note I had, and I wanted to to mention at least was um, it's a kind of redneck with the with the AR type vibe. Um, did you like he, he speaks with a southern accent and he's just kind of like a rough it's clearly like that's the kind of i, I just found that very very interesting but but it, the tanya and the commando are basically the same unit except instead of being a kind of rough and tumble redneck um you know with a scope it's it's um it's uh it's a badass girl power 90s chick with with uh with with two berettas or something um which you know whatever i don't know i, I didn't twin 45s it. which you is know, it 45 you know okay, whatever yeah, yeah it's twin 45s if you know anything about guns like it's not gonna happen yeah, yeah. <laughs> right like like <laughs> shoot someone from halfway across the street because i have two 1911s um <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly yeah. pretty absurd no um and and actually you know it's one of those uh again vacations from history there was the the limited conflict in the balkans which uh uh, I don't know what year, but but slow but on most of it, nothing wrong. Um, and but like this vacation from history, that like, oh, we can totally pretend that like this girl can can do stuff, and and, and there's no consequences because we don't live in real or like we're we're on vacation from from reality. And uh, um, to a certain extent, um. Uh, I always preferred the Soviets just because the the allies were dumb. But uh, heavy uh, tanks, man, heavy tanks are where it's at. Absolutely. Um, just, just. Oh, you have you have too much money. No, no, that just that's just a way for you. Silos full. Uh, that just means I need to build more heavy tanks. <laughs> that's, that's that's all that means. Yes. <laughs> I could, I could. Oh, which which yeah. is interesting. Well, uh, just from a gameplay perspective, in the um, in the first. In the first, in Command and Conquer One, the all the kind of best equipment is on the GDI side, global homo side, um, yes. and the GDI obviously grows out of the Allies, so they're the ones with the heavy tanks and the mammoth tanks, um, and uh, and so the idea is like with Nod, it's like you're kind of a ragtag terrorist army, you you know, it's all kind of hit and run, lighter armament, um, faster movement, etc. But the nod is supposed to have grown out of the Soviet Union and and fitting, I think, very much more with the theme, uh, you know, because the Soviet Union, everything is like just giant and over over the top. Um, so they're in, so in Red Alert, it's the Soviets who have the heavy tanks and the mammoth tanks uh, rather than the allies, which, again, makes sense kind of both aesthetically and gameplay wise in terms of, you know, thematically, I guess you could say. Um, but it, was, it, it, it I just found it interesting that 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 flipped in terms of the faction um and, and, and the balance and so on sure yeah. and y'all and, uh y'all uh, brought it up but uh the kind of conquer also in terms of being the first rts that got really big it really defined how like super chatty the units are like every time you click a unit yes. you get like a verbal like little banter piece yeah it's usually different and even like to this day you play that that's just the standard is every time you click a unit it has like a little something. Little, someone something says something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you got this. Well, that reminds me. This uh, the 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 spy unit. The allies have a spy unit that's like a James Bond knockoff with a hilarious kind of terrible 
Connery sure, accent. Yep, sure. <laughs> For Queen and Country. It's like, oh my God. But it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of useless unit, but it's extremely hilarious. And you know, for for those missions where you, you have to use them, I don't think I would ever use them in a skirmish or multiplayer no. game. But um, no, you know, never. in a single player oh, game, damn. it's like, whatever. It's just kind of funny. Like, yeah, we put this in the game. Look, he's doing a Connery accent. Isn't that funny? I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it can be. No, I think it's a, a very, um, it, it's it's more fun to play than anything you know a AAA studios come out with in the last two years. I think. Uh, uh I really enjoyed uh, Outer Wilds, but uh, definitely it would you could have released it yesterday, and it would be you know probably in contention for game of the year. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, uh, okay. With, with the possible exception of like, you know, I'm cause I'm a Warhammer nut, but like, you know, just, just how bad the system is now. Just, just how terrible. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that might be just like, you know, the low hanging fruit was, has been and plucked and, and, and I suppose that's a possible, that's a possibility, but I can't help but think that like the the people that had the creative freedom to like you know previous high score and just be <laughs> you know like that that would never fly today. And it's not just it's not just a a matter of like oh they did it first, so like you you have this nostalgia of like oh I really like this. No, I think that there's something really. Well, I think uh, it, Lewis said it when he when he said you know it was the ethno state. I think that's the fundamental problem. Is I, I think if you had the ability to just have a bunch you know a dozen two dozen white men between the ages of twenty five and forty five, maybe you throw a couple you know Chinese in there, and you lock them in a room, like they could do incredibly you know they could do equally amazing things, amazing things. Uh, but we don't have that. Cap- that's just not a possibility now. So we have this problem. Yeah, I, that's a substantial part of the problem, I think. And uh, I, 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 um, just, just, just think about this. Um, and I know we talked about the soundtrack a little bit, but like, aside from like ultra niche, uh, genre music of like obscure folk or obscure metal. Or, uh, uh, I don't know, um, very obscure, like Celtic music or something. Is there anything commercially produced that's as good as the soundtrack? So was. I was actually thinking about, I was thinking about this a good bit, and it's kind of a similar thing as like John Williams music, where there is enough of a financial interest in making these things well. Or at the time there was that kind of uh, overcame any kind of political interest in doing it in a you know diverse manner that you get like this is like probably where music would have gone outside of you know the hip hop you know running things for the last 30 years is you get something like this where it's not it's definitely not classical music but there's like a level of music complexity well it's like it. classical okay yeah so like other than like niche ele- electronica yeah, that, like coach like, likes. This is like this is like commercial because it's like this is like it's like basically John Williams, but with a little more guitar, you know. <laughs> yeah, or or kind of kind of pseudo electronic, but 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 just really incredibly well done. You could go listen to listen to some of the stuff now, and it's still a banger, man. It's still, you know, it's it's twenty years. It's really good. Yeah, I twenty um, years later. 
I will say I, I think the Red Alert and soundtrack is good. I have to, to chide you guys. Please, yeah. Uh, you for, when you talked about Mario, you forgot to talk about the music. We yeah <laughs> yeah we did, and uh, especially the Mario <laughs> theme is almost kind of. I mean, it's it's taken on a life of its own. That's a good point. Um, but but, but uh, and and I I bring that up not just to bust your balls, but also to 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 again draw this connection. Um, you know that that eight bit MIDI sound. Yeah. Um, that, that Chip you know, yes, t- you know, um, right, there are people creating that stuff now. Like I can, do 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 do. You like I can still hear like the Mega right. Man theme, or uh, if I think about it, the Mario theme, a few others, right? Um, but they're well done. They're well done, and and uh, uh, as things get more sophisticated, um, you get something like the. The Conquer Red Alert soundtrack, which is just really, really well done, and you know, people people will have like eight hours of Command and Conquer tunes on YouTube just because it's so much better than anything that you know is available on a commercial radio station. Um, and I think that that just goes to show how, again, how poor our our present environment is, and why so many young people are in, engaged in this pseudo struggle. Like, you know, outside of our thing, where, where are you going to find meaning in life? <laughs> it, it, like, a, you know, a, a, the great Nick Mason said, you know, if you're a millennial or a zoomer and you're not a political extremist, you're not going to make it, <laughs> you know, like you're just not, where, where are you going to find friends? Where are you going to find meaningful art? Where are you going to find culture that doesn't suck? You know, Antelope Hill has published more worthwhile books in the last six months than Harper Collins has published in the last two years. Think about I mean, that. Make, make it 20 probably. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, well, I, you know, like, but uh, of course point taken. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's, and it's not just that, that, you know, that they're good books out there to be written. You know, Patrick Neen wrote a, uh, you know, after liberalism, it was a good book that, you know, rest of you, that there are people who are, have good ideas that aren't, you know, you know, exactly part of our thing but they're, they're been so relegated that, that like we're cheek by jowl with like the american conservative because the the mainstream is so terrible and whether that's video games or politics or anything else i think it's it's really worth discussing of like how is it that that you know someone who's 17 right now would rather listen to a 20 year old video game soundtrack than whatever's on the radio because that's happening. Well, we just live in the... I mean, that's the thing, you know. Uh, I, we say, talk a lot about collapse on the third rail, and, you know, rightfully so. And, and you know, we're all grateful to, to Borzoi for for emphasizing this point for so long. But, you know, I think we're, it's safe to say from our vantage point that, um, you know, we could... The supermarket shelves are still mostly... You know, you can mostly get your calories and... And, you know, there's all kinds of weirdness going on in various ways, but oh, the collapse has already happened. Sorry, yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, I, I put this out on Telegram, I think, but but I'd be interested in your guys' experience. So I went to see Dune in the theater with a friend recently, and it was like the eternal present, man. The previews were for a new Scream movie, a new Matrix movie. I saw there's a new Home Alone movie. <laughs> like, like, I... I, I <laughs> let me let me, oh, let me pull you, this up. You, you know, 
new book, new Ghostbusters just came out, dude. You new Ghost, yeah. There's a new new Ghostbusters. Oh no, there was Yeah, new Ghostbusters, and it's 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 just like, are, is this 1990? You know, is this uh, 2002? Is this right? right. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, um, yeah. The, the the previews at the, the okay so the, you know this this remake of a book that's fifty years old uh that you know is a remake of a, a movie that was uh, you know and a and a remake of a television miniseries right uh there's a new Matrix movie a new Scream movie another freaking Batman movie a magical Mexican kid movie and then a bunch of horror stuff and then possibly like a new Ghostbusters I can't remember if <laughs> you know so. The, the if you've compressed all of culture to like everything after the fall of you know everything after 9 11 it's basically the same right or everything uh back you know to the fall of the soviet union is basically the same um it, it's well is it is it any wonder that you know someone who's you know does 17 18 year old right now feels in touch with something that's 30 years old I, I don't know. Well, it, it just it, again, it, it just shows you how, like, you know, there's just this is a not just moribund, a deceased culture, and just at this point, grave robbing um, in, yes. in a vain effort to, I don't know, keep keep the lights on one more day. It's also tiresome, but but um, no, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to everyone that you know that uh, as as we keep harping on, this just game. This game is fun. These games are fun. These cultural products we're doing this yeah there's like a nostalgia element yeah there's a kind of you know cultural analytic element but a lot of it is just at least from my perspective because i i would rather play and think about and talk about um these pillars of video gaming culture than anything you know with very 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 few exceptions you know Frostpunk uh was a relatively recent release uh we loved um, I like the Outer Wilds a lot. I mean, I'm sure I'll find you know. There's there's a little bit. There's little nuggets here and there, but well, for the most part, but, there's just nothing. You know, just well, any, any well, more there is with music. Well, okay, but but it's it's been probably a good decade since since games overtook movies as the dominant <laughs> cultural product, right? Yeah, at least I, forget, I would probably more like almost 20 years at this point. But yeah, go on. Okay, well, like, well it's something we can look up. Hold on. Um. Um. The with all the stuff that's being produced with you know uh you know the infinite replay but you could play you could literally spend a hundred hours and this is a, a a point i've made privately i think to udk but I, i've talked about it earlier so you spend 50 bucks oh my gosh a game you know um i think i, I think i paid 40 dollars for red alert and counter-strike back in you know back in the, the before times and that was a lot of money then and i had to work a lot to to get all that money um but, um, okay, a movie ticket was eight bucks then. So that's five movies. Five movies is ten hours. I had I had more than ten hours of of, of time in Red Alert by the end of the week. You know, uh, you can just play it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, different maps, different different. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it at all, but uh, so in in Dune, it was a kind of just a sleight of hand, smoke and mirrors. Like you could nominally in Dune two, I mean, you could like nominally uh, choose different 
missions, but they're all kind of the same mission. It's just a total illusion. Uh, Command and Conquer and Red Alert, that is not the case. Um, there's a It's a linear path, but there are uh, some two and sometimes three different variations on the same mission. The maps are sometimes quite different. Um, uh, frequently, in fact, like different enough to give a quite a different experience to the to the to that mission and sometimes the mission is completely different it's not even just a different map it's like a different thing entirely that happens once or twice um so yeah it's it's uh i wouldn't quite say necessarily endlessly replayable but but certainly yeah one of these things where there's a there's a lot of uh, attention paid to you know creating a system that is um uh both invites you to to explore it at at quite a bit of length and depth and, and, and rewards you for doing so at least to some extent. Yeah. So I think it's a, maybe not infinitely replayable, but effectively, right? Well, I mean, you know, it is certain, it's not a, it's not a roguelike, you know, in that, in that so it doesn't have that kind of hook to it where it's like this, this thing. And, and, um, you know, at a certain point I could, I could see getting, getting bored easily. Um, but but yeah, I mean it's it's uh, the loop is really good, you know. It's fast paced, as we were said. It's engaging. It's um, it's uh, you know it's got rock and music and and uh, uh, just a cool vibe and feels good, plays well, and and yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. It's uh, well, and and games are such like they they overtook both games and sports last year. Because partly, you know, video games brought in more revenue than both movies and pro sports. Wow, I didn't. That's incredible. I did. I wow. That, that's for the first time. I would have to assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. In uh, from December twenty three, twenty twenty, from the hill dot com. Um, video game industry bigger than sports, movies combined says report. So this is from you know a year ago, basically. The video game industry has grown to be bigger than the sports and movie industry combined. Markets Watch reported Tuesday, so this is a year ago. The news outlet reported that global video game revenue has increased 20% in 2020, making $180 billion, according to data from IDC. The biggest gain is expected from mobile gaming, according to the news outlet, which is expected to share 24% to 80 to basically $88 billion. Uh, Parts due to China recently lifting ban on gaming consoles. Uh, console revenue is supposed to sort of $52 billion this year, while PC and Mac games are expected to make $40 billion. So, <clears throat> you know, this is the battle space, right? The, you know, the cultural battle, you know, like, there's a reason we call it the gamer word. <laughs> right? You know, epic yep. gamer yeah, yeah, moments. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, gamers are the most oppressed race. We, we are we are oppressed. Um, because this is, this was where, you know, younger white people went to create culture on their own. And when we did, uh, uh you know, the, the people in charge were like, Oh God, <laughs> uh Oh, we can't have that. And they freaked out. And that's, you know, hence, hence Gamergate and, you know, all the stuff that felt followed from that. Um, you know, who, who, who is going to expect the most interesting talk, talk show host in the world in 2021 was going to be Ethan Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they say what you will say, whatever, whatever your opinion of him. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, he's far more compelling than anything, you know, ever produced, put on television in the last decade. 
uh, and and Ralph comes directly from Gamergate. You know, the kill stream and and all of his stuff. Again, whatever you want to say about Ralph, he comes directly from that. You know, Milo to a certain extent comes directly from that. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff does, and I think that you know stuff like this is important because it, it's you know this is where the battle is. You know, young white guys play video games. Yeah, your young men generally play video games. So it, it's really important that that you know our narratives get out there inside that space because a we're the only ones who are going to tell you the truth, and b um you know that they, they deserve to have themselves you know uh we need we need to center the video game narrative around those who play it and those who are members of the gamer culture and not uh otherize them inside the gaming space they they deserve a safe space inside games where their views and their values can be represented <laughs> which you know means screaming game word taking over the world and wearing cool uniforms Okay, well that's their that's their thing. They deserve to be able to play that. Yeah, there's no the saying the N word is the most revolutionary, it is really the only revolutionary act. Right. Freedom begins with N Towers. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm a native born I'm an indigenous gamer. And I'm not gonna give the space up to a bunch of, you know, colonizing Zionists. You know, exactly. tale as old as time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I think I'm I have said just about I have maybe one or uh, two other little notes. But um, was there anything else you wanted to say, or, or did you have more? Or did you or you thought? No, was- I, I just think that these are interesting cultural artifacts because again, you know, this is this is culture now. You know, oh, uh, um, you know, Pauline Kael can be respected as because uh, oh, Pauline Kael, a serious intellectual film critic. Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, like, you know, my buddy DK and Lewis, you know, serious intellectual video game critics. Like, it's like, oh, well, that's not serious. What do you mean it's not serious? It's vastly more important. I mean, it's definitely more serious than, I mean, have you try, ever tried reading, like, mainstream uh, culture analysis, like The Ringer or some shit, or Deadspin on, you oh, know, it's movies? Terrible. It's just garbage. It's unreadable. It's completely, these people I mean, are trying can, to, like, you know, watch Empire a, and, and think that it's some kind of. right now. You Sorry, find, I could write a Deadspin article like right now. Like, find black actor from '90s, interview him, talk about how he'd make much money, but show is now popular from '90s on like Netflix or whatever, and that's a Deadspin article. Like, yep, it's a it's a cookie cutter. It's not even a, like I don't. I kind of wish I had that job so I could just like do nothing all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Oh. I actually do. I do want to kind of pivot from us because I I had one like other kind of Westwood point because I don't I'm not super familiar with Canada Conquer, but I'm familiar with like what Westwood is and does or did. You should totally play it, dude. Totally worth playing. And uh, they really do. Were like super push. They pushed in terms of, like innovation in the space in that '95 to or like '94 to 2003. They pushed so much forward that is just like kind of the accepted norm. They created the first like battle royale game with uh, Soul Survivor, even though it was like poorly received. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. uh, They made a first-person shooter, but it was also one of the first first first-person shooters to have a multiplayer system that also had like a class-based multiplayer. 
So you would you could do, you could do the it was called was it like Renegade or Commando or some dumb shit. It's a Ken Conquer first person first person that's the last third person shooter. It's very much inspired by or inspired a lot of Battlefield ninety four two stuff. But it was I think the first multiplayer game where you would like earn XP in a round to spec into a class or a vehicle. Uh and it, they were they were just way ahead of the game on a lot of, on so much stuff. Uh, they got punished for it. Really, arguments what killed them because no one really wanted to play these. They just wanted more command and conquer, um, which I guess you know would suffering from success. But uh, they they were always pushing the envelope, uh, even in terms of like graphically. In they were. They were pushing like every every command card looks significantly better than the last one. Uh, they were doing like the first patches in a lot of ways, like the first like not the first patch, but the serious like iterative live patch. updates on a launcher were yeah. a thing. Yes, uh, it you know it, it there's a lot of you know they definitely and it's really one of the probably obviously we're talking about the EA, the joke at EA, EA just kind of smashed them out of no one's quite sure why I think like. They, there was concern that they had a game because EA it. is the spawn of Satan. Hate all that is good in the world. Yeah, like the, <laughs> there's all kind of arguments that they they, they they had a they had a they had a sequel to their first person Command Conquer series coming up, and they it it was there was fear it was going to cannibalize sales from Battlefield 1942, which was very simple, which which drew on a lot of its stuff, and maybe that's true, um, but. Yeah, it's very weird that they took the name. Uh, there's, yeah, it was really gutted for no reason. It was uh, also, who was the what company originally owned it? Was it like, uh, it was Virgin Interactive. It was fucking, it was it was a Virgin Interactive company that EA kind of just happened upon on accident when they bought most of Virgin Virgin Interactive stuff. And yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that never made never really made sense and. It kind of started EA. I think it was the first time EA ever did this, where it kind of started EA down the path of just buying a studio. They make you give them a budget to make their make their big game they was wanted to make with a big budget, and then you just shutter it because you because people leave when they cash out, and you know that was kind of it for for Westwood. I wonder. I I do wonder where all those guys went. Where the guys ended up because they were like talented guys, and they're they're probably still doing this. You know, they didn't. You know, they didn't just vanish when they killed Westwood. It'd be interesting to follow up on those guys, individuals. What, yeah, why isn't, like, the lead designer of, of Red Alert, like, a rock star home, like, you know, like, everyone knows who he is the same way that they do the musicians or movie stars? Yeah, like good. like like directors. Like why why is or even well know, even I, certain like game design. You know, like uh, Warren Spector or something. You know, you, you, you some some game designers are within you know for people who like video games, household names. Well, yeah, but but, but see, even people who aren't like super into movies know who Martin Scorsese or uh, 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 Spielberg or these others are right like. And, and well, I, th- I, th- I think a big part it, of why there's so few p- household names in video games, it's the kind of the, like, it's the same thing where, like, people can't can name bands from, like, the 60s and 70s, but I say, like, the leading man a lot of times. It's because video games are studios. They're not really, like, 
they're not like individuals. Like, yeah, I can name. It's very rare that oh, an individual becomes like the face of a video game in the way like a John Carmack does. I don't think he's probably like, the first and last one to become, or, or like, or I guess Miyamoto. Okay. Like, yeah, you have to be very huge to have your name eclipse the studio name. Right. Well, so the music was composed by Frank Klepacki and was voted the best video game soundtrack of 1996. So why isn't Frank Klepacki known as much as Howard Shore? Like, or, you know, the people who compose big scores for mu for movies, right? Like, and it's just as important. And I, you know, you, you bring up a solid point, Lewis, that it's studios and it's anonymous or it's not, it's not as big a deal, but like movies are a, a completely a collective effort. And yet, you know, the people behind, you know, the directors, the score composers, the lead actors, all that stuff, those are all known. And I think that it's, a, again, you know, gamers are the uh, most oppressed race. And, and, you know, a lot of that, um, the lack of cultural cachet is a deliberate attempt by the powers that be to, you know, suppress the influence of, of, of gamers. Like, like games are a serious study. Uh, games are, are not, you know, not just a waste of time or not just, uh, you know, they're a serious cultural artifact. They're, they're, they're worth looking into and uh, people who don't take them seriously are just wrong. So, you know, why aren't the people who really do outstanding work in games, why aren't they taken as seriously as, as someone who does stuff in movies or music? What's the and I think we all know the answer. Yeah, the oppression of the gamer race. Yeah, well, all the more reason, I think, ultimately to... Um, you know, read old books, play old games. Uh, I think we could add that. We could, you know, people say read old books. Yeah, but also play old games. And, um, you know, when we do find, I, I, I think it would be nice to, um, I don't know, we should, I, I, I think it, it's it's not too early or, or unrealistic to, um, to think about um, trying to put something together ourselves. I mean, it's, you know, something we can do. We, I know there's been a few efforts in that regard. Um, I never played Angry Goy, but I know that's a thing that exists, and uh, and and it doesn't even have to. Time out, Defender is out now. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be overtly political. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I, we harp on this thing like reality has a fascist bias. If it's just good and reflects reality, it's it, it's going to, you know, I, I would say put politics second or or just not at all, even just you know leave that in a, in, a, in an overt sense, put it to the side, make something quality, make something beautiful, make something true. And and it'll you know reflect our values. Um, I think that's inevitable. Yeah. But um, yeah, and Antelope Hill and Imperium Press, a few other places are doing that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, exactly. It. And a lot of what they do is just re republishing old stuff that's fallen off the map, right? Well, no, I, I, that that is true, I mean, and that's valuable. That's a that's that's important stuff. Uh, you know, particularly Imperium is doing stuff like that. But but also Antelope Hill bringing like a um you know the walter Jari book i think uh, but also the, like like no one else was going to publish specter's book on on the opioid crisis <laughs> <laughs> right like nobody right. nobody I'm, yeah i'm um, waiting on my copy but but which like is a, a, which is a which is a you know in and of itself part of the crime that that's been committed right is covering it up in this way yes but uh anyway um yeah i i uh was that was that all, Lewis, or did you have more on that um, on that theme? No, that's all I had. I think 
you know, it's ready to ready to close it out. Yeah, I think so. Um, I just want to go rapid fire through because I, I, you know, again with a lot of this stuff, there's just so much to say. But but I, I um, one I guess the, the the thing the last thing that I wanted to say that I thought was interesting was was um, in the uh, while we're talking about closings, I guess. Uh, in the at the end of the Red Alert two Soviet campaign, it's kind of a very interesting series of events where basically um, Kane, who is you know kind of interest he's he's the same of course it's the same actor and it's like the next year so whatever but he's he's so in the context of the lore he's being portrayed as um you know essentially the same age and it's like he basically has it's like stalin has a lover or something and and the lover kills stalin and then is killed by kane and kane takes over the victorious soviet union um and then there he says or there's like he's in communication with like this this thing about like there's this plan about the brotherhood is this ancient order of blah 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 but he says that the 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 brotherhood will quote tire of the USSR by the early 1990s and i found that really interesting as kind of like a again in the same way that the kind of overarching setup for the for the series is basically an explicit validation of, of Viktor Suvorov's icebreaker thesis i would say that's at the very least an implicit validation of of our take that the 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 cold war was an ab test that the the global homo capitalism versus global homo ultimately you know marxism thing was was an ab test um and like the, the to the extent you want to read the brotherhood of nod as a kind of quasi zionistic entity or at least in this specific regard of being an ancient order you know, manipulating from the shadows behind the scenes in control of the Soviet Union, no less, um, that the idea that, you know, yeah, as of the 1990s, early 1990s, we're going to um, drop the the B part of the AB test. I just found that very provocative. (laughs) I thought I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, and uh, artists often, you know, are, are wiser than they intend to be. And, uh, you know, obviously this is all in retrospect of like, uh, and, you know, published in 1994 and the Soviet Union has fallen and all of that other stuff. Uh, but this idea that the, the, you know, this controlling brotherhood can, can like, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap this experiment up, you know, and to those people say, oh, that's impossible. Uh, no, no, that that happened. That ha- that happens to American small towns. To reference Specter's book again, you know, like there there were places where they're like, yeah, we're just gonna wrap this town up and kill it. We're gonna put a bunch of pills in. We're gonna take away the jobs, and you know, you can drive through Southern Indiana and Western Ohio and right now and see places that have just been abandoned all over America in a planned manner. So it's interesting that they acknowledge that that's a possibility. So I, I think that's a, a good point, DK. Yeah, it's not to say, I mean, yes, obviously the context here is like they're trying to be quasi-realistic and I'm, I'm not saying that I, I, again, it's one of these things where as you say, there were people are often, that's a, what was it? I think it's a T.S. Eliot quote. I believe it's T.S. Eliot that, um, the difference between 
I forget if it's good poets or good authors um, and bad ones is that, uh, you know, good, let's say artists are, um, or bad poets are, bad, bad, and bad artists are conscious where they should be unconscious and unconscious where they should be conscious, right? And And I think, to me, this is an example of being unconscious where it's good to be unconscious, right? Not, you know, this is compatible with the kind of death of the author thing is my point where, and I think you see this really across the games generally and sort of capturing the zeitgeist in a certain way. And whether you want to call it yes. predictive programming or or just kind of tapping into something and, and, and you know, understanding a vibe and, and where things are going and the relationship between ideology, technology, economics, terrorism, and neoliberalism, um, however you want to look at it you know i think they're kind of one of the things that's noteworthy and why this stands i would say ultimately is an example of of art in a certain sense is precisely because you know the the artist the studio westwood here is conscious where they want to be conscious in terms of you know level design decisions art and music direction and these kinds of things and then unconscious where where it it ultimately is beneficial to the project as a whole for them to be unconscious in terms of some of those kind of themes and, and things like that Yep. And I think and that's, that's why it's still yeah. fun 20 years later. Exactly. Exactly. And I, yeah. And I think that's, that's probably a, a pretty good place to leave it. So um, thank you so much for coming on. We'd love to have you again. I know you wanted to come on uh, another time to talk about the suburbs, um, which uh, I know we, <laughs> you actually referenced a little bit, I think earlier, but uh, obviously there's a lot, lot more to say and, and definitely a, a worthy topic of discussion. Um, but, but yeah, this was great. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. And um Hope you all look forward to that. Hope you all have enjoyed listening. Uh, until then, take care, everybody. I'm an a-